Well, welcome back, everyone, to the Dungeon Master's Block, the place where we come to talk about, you guessed it, the Dungeon Master, the most important person in the game. I'm one of your hosts, DM Chris. And I'm your other host, DM Neil, a.k.a. Joke Pontiac. And today, we have summoned forth not one, but two guests. We have both Michael and Tom from the RPG Academy, because we want to talk more about wizards. It's, it's a huge portion of the game. In hindsight, it's a huge portion of the player's handbook because it's all taken up by spells. Uh, yeah, yeah. And you can never talk too much about wizards. No, but this time, instead of good wizards, we're going to talk about evil wizards, how to add them to your campaign. Great references of, of some people I definitely would not have said were wizards before this conversation, but alas, here we are. We shoehorn some in, but they make sense. Let's be honest. But with that, let's head... I'm starving. We ain't had nothing but maggoty bread for three stinking days. Why can't we have some meats? Looks like meat back on the menu, boys. So today for the meat, we have not one, but two guests, and I am very excited. One, it has been far too long. Um, and the other, uh, I think you get like a golden jacket. Is that what SNL does? But we have Michael and Tom from the RPG Academy here to share their thoughts. Hello. I have a lot of thoughts. Tom <laughs> is the king of spicy takes, so we got to make sure that we okay. keep him reined in. And salty. I got to th- throw some salty ones in there, too. You started to rub off on me our last okay. faculty meeting. I got a little a little spicy take in there. I'm waiting yeah, to see if you got it. We're too positive on the RPG Academy, so I'm coming on here to oh, wow. share well, my salt, negativity. Salt cells, right? Yeah, like that that's that's what goes viral. Ah, yes. You know, we've yep. learned anything over the years. Oh, first name Al, last name Gorilla, <laughs> sure. and we're going to figure out exactly <laughs> what he would like. But so it's an interesting question because Tom, you haven't been on yet, so I think we'll focus most of our interview section your direction. Um, and Michael, you you can chime in if you'd like, but. Color commentary. That's what Perfect. I'm looking for. Correct anything that Tom says that yeah, you yeah. don't think is correct. Okay. Oh, I can't do all that. I don't have that much time. In a salty and spicy way, correct yes. him. So, Tom, for our listeners, who who are you? Uh, interesting facts that you think they would like to know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I am the, I'm the youthful energy on the RPG Academy. So, I'm the one who, like, you know, brings some modernness to our podcast. No, no, no. So, I'm, I'm Michael's co-host i've been doing this michael what's it like five six years when did you when did you hand me a business card at a really sketchy game store i handed you a business card for i believe our first public academy okay yeah i think that's what it was because i no no you came to the first one in the woods i did i was at the woods so michael i met michael at a game store event i was fresh to D &D, and michael was like hey I have a convention and we meet in the woods. And I was like, I was like, yeah, I'm new to this hobby. I'll come be and I'll come to the woods with you, stranger. And so ever since then, I just kind of followed uh, Michael around and then Michael needed some help with stuff. And he was like, Tom, can you help me with stuff? And then I was running games at bars in Cincinnati, which is cool. And so then from there, I just started doing the podcast stuff. And now I am the host of our show and tell series where I interview guests and we talk about cool things they're working on. Uh, we don't get into any sort of tips, tricks, anything. We all just, it's this really big, you know, um, we all just get to talk about stuff we love and cool stuff. And then also I do our regular streaming show on our Twitch channel. So 
Just that's just about it. No, so. just a little bit of this. A little <laughs> bit of that. How much? A little bit of this, a little bit of I that. I do well, I do a little bit of graphic design for us, a little little bit yeah, just a little which bit of everything. I, so that's it. Yeah, which I mean kind of leads us to the question. You guys are kind of here, there, and everywhere are doing a lot. Are there any particular things that you are currently working on and we always have the caveat that you can currently talk about um yes i sort of you know it it relates to how tom and i met as i went to a game store that i had never gone to before nor have i ever gone again but the day i went there i went specifically to tell people about a catacomb and wouldn't you know it we're still doing it and it's coming up fast this year our kickstarter for catacomb 2022 which is catacomb x it's our 10th year We've got a sweet X-Men 90s vibe going with our uh, logo this year. I love it. Um, so if anybody's interested in coming to November or coming to Dayton, Ohio in November, don't know why you would, but if you're going to be there anyway, we're going to have a Catacon. It's the best small little gaming convention in Ohio in Dayton that weekend. Guaranteed. Uh, but we would love some people to come support. I'd love for people to come play games with us. But even if you can't, just a couple bucks as a donation on the Kickstarter really would help us a long way to get to our goal and make sure that we can have our event again this year. It's a fun convention, if I do say so myself. And look, I could say this because I, yes, I help host it, but I came as a guest, you know, the first, first one ever. ever. And you're coming I back. I back and yeah. eventually every person who comes gets to be a host <laughs> on the RPG Academy. It's just one million years yeah, from now. It's a natural progression. <laughs> You're not, I you're think not in, wrong. I that think in the business world, they call work. that like a leadership pipeline or something like, well, that. like I that. I don't know. Like that. <laughs> it, I mean, Neil's been. Yeah. I've Chris, been. have you been? Yes. Yeah, I went. Uh, Chris, you went to the ones 20... in the world. You were at the first one too. No, no, I didn't. If it's, It started in 2012, right? Is that when? Or when did it? Oh, yeah. With the, the first one we had creepy with crows lodge, on the top uh, of the building. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Funny story. I remember going and it was like in the middle. They were vultures. Yeah, you're right. They're massive creepy as all get out Uh, that's when i knew it was going to be awesome i remember going through like rural ohio and mitch and i were driving in my chevy hhr i remember this and i (laughs) kid you not i think we got air off of one of the train tracks because it was so buckled and i thought we were not going to make it out of dayton ohio again (laughs) i thought for certain we were not making it out so this is one of the great inside jokes about a catacomb that i love and no one else gets right but if you go look at our logo for this year, it's basically a vulture fighting mm, the dragon. Yeah. And the vulture is because of that first Catacomb. So I keep trying to work the vulture into the logo, even though no one knows why or what it means. Unless you were at the first one. If you Unless were like you the were 70 the people one. at the first one or whatever, then you'll know, you'll remember yep. the vultures. Because I think that was the talk of a Catacomb was the, was the cool vultures. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, it's a, the, I think. Really what I think sets a catacon apart is we don't have a whole lot of big events. We don't, we're not really focused on the nature of like, come and do this thing or see this person. It's really just a chance for people to play a lot of different games. And it's a real, it's a smaller setting and it's much more laid back. So that's just kind of what we're going for. And so it's like, if you have a weekend in November, and you want to drive to Dayton, we've got an attached hotel, super simple. You just come with a couple friends and you have a good time. It's the, the specific weekend is the 4th, 5th, and 6th of November. Uh, it is the weekend of the time change. We strategically play, make it that way, so you get an nice. extra hour of a catacon on Sunday. And my focus, of course, is a catacon. That is absolutely the biggest thing on my mind. But I would be remiss if I didn't at least mention 
Action 12 Cinema, which is the GMless uh, action movie role-playing game that I have written and hope to be taken to crowdfunding sometime later this year as well. So if you like D12s, bad movies, and improv, this is a game you should check out. Perfect. That is a wonderful segue into our surprise question because our surprise question is for you, Tom, and I need you to give me three reasons why the D12 is the best polyhedral out there. Oh my gosh, I've I'm on record saying that it is not, but I will I <laughs> It's okay that you're wrong about that. I will though a, a, appease you all and I will why the D12 is the best dice, okay? All right. So, the very first reason is you know what? It rolls really nice. It's got a really mm. there's this tactile sensation to it where it's just like when you roll it, it's just mm, it's very satisfying, okay? Uh, the next reason is that, you know what, I guess Michael likes it. So it kind of, it's like one of those things to you. All right. You guys, you guys have pets, you know, mm-hmm. like yeah, you, kids too. kids. They have their favorite toy. And Same so, thing. Same thing. yeah, exactly. So if you just, you let them have it and use it, it kind of makes them a little bit happier. So Michael can use the D12 and he's, he's it good It brings to go. you joy. Yeah. Brings you joy. Also, all right. Uh, I've got you. No, so the the third reason is that it makes the best D four. Oh, okay. You just, you just divide everything by three, right? Yeah. You know, no, what? We, no, 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 no. They take the they take the 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 form factor of a D twelve and write one through four three times on it, and it's perfect. Uh, there, I have some of those. They do the same thing with some D sixes as well. I've got some of those where, yeah. So D twelve is a you know it's a good medium for other dice that matter more. <laughs> so and if you're making a dice tower, it is nice for the base. Ooh, it's, it's solid. Yep. I mean, it's building tips too. Yeah, yeah. You guys Perfect. had a good podcast. To get bored. Perfect. The dice stacking <laughs> podcast. That's right. That question was definitely not picked um, for any specific reason at all. Um, just your your sheer love for the the D twelve. I feel like there had to have been a side conversation between Neil and Michael at some point about this. Definitely, which is a perfect segue into <laughs> Evil Wizards. Evil Wizards. Yes. Um, so we have talked about the wizard previously, but one of the things that we realized one is that Michael and Tom definitely wanted to talk about the wizard. Two, we did not talk about that at all, which I find interesting because it is such a prevalent trope in movies, TV, games, and everything like that. So like your go-to big bad can easily be a wizard. Um, and there's a lot of things that you don't get to do as a good wizard. Namely, most of the spells are kind of <laughs> evil just on their just base level. So then if you have the option to be bad... A lot of the spells really do open up in a, a new and interesting way because, yeah, a lot of them are just downright awful. Yeah. I mean, who wants to do blood magic when you're a good guy? Like, right. So, pop quiz, Neil, most famous evil wizard. <sighs> because she is a novelist that has gotten a billion dollars, I have to say Voldemort. Wrong. Chris, evil wizard. I'll say uh, evil wizard. Uh, Ursula from Disney. Nope, wrong. Oh. Tom. I was going to say this for later, but Willy Wonka, and I'll explain later why my reasoning is Willy <laughs> no, Wonka. Okay. It's clearly Gargamel. I was going to oh, say Gargamel yeah, yeah, yeah. is the most evil wizard. You just want to eat those blue little people, right? But wizards make the perfect foil for any sort of role-playing game party because they don't care about 
like societal norms. Just by the, the fact that they're wizards, they are seeking power through mysterious ways. So they're going to do whatever they can or need to to gain power. So it makes them a perfect foil for a low-level campaign all the way up to an epic level like Saruman. is not the most famous evil wizards, Gargamel, but he's up there. Voldemort definitely would be on the list. Um, I'm, Ursula definitely would be on the list. Well, I'm sure there's, there's a bunch of them, but again, remember Gargamel is the most, most important, most famous. I, just, I always think of evil wizards, and I think you're, you know, start talking about it gets me thinking more about this. Is like there's a level of when you know so much or you have so much power, everything just does, like their their morality just kind of like sifts away, just floats away at some point, you know. And I think like they I just imagine these wizards doing this circular logic in their head all the time to like either make sense of why they're doing something, to ethically make sense of it, or to just say. This is how the world works, and I'm just gonna use blood magic on all these poor little Smurfs, you know. And and if if you want to think about it in big terms, you could even have a wizard who's clearly doing evil things, but in their head they think they're doing the right thing because they have to make like this thing has to happen because that's going to be the cornerstone of a great like you know environmental change or or societal change. And so they're doing evil to try to do good, but they're still doing evil because, like you said, they they don't see things as cleanly as maybe someone like I, a dumb barbarian does. Yeah. Well, and you think of like people like Thanos, not actually a wizard, but like that sort of logic happens all the time of like, well, the, the universe has become too overcrowded. And so in order to put it back right and make it stable again, I have to get rid of half of all the living things, you know, like clearly morally and ethically wrong and genocide on so many levels. But also it's like, I could see why he would get to that point, you know, like that that's the sort of jumping through hoops that, you do. Drastic problems need drastic solutions. He became a wizard eventually. He just had enough magic items by the end. I exactly. Mean, yeah. <laughs> it's one of the so one of the things is you talk about wizards, they have so much power or they have all this knowledge. I, I the problem with evil wizards so often is because of that, will fall into the trap of like, what is their motivation? And so often it is their motivation for being evil is more power or because I want to destroy everything. So like Thanos or even latest season of Stranger Things. Like why just so to destroy everything? Like, so I think with evil wizards, you got to really nail down like what are they trying to do? And if you're going to use them, just be careful of not always falling into that trap of like ultimate destruction or ultimate power. Make them different. The other thing to think about is also your evil wizard doesn't need to be, you know, 10th level casting or anything like that. They can certainly be evil at the lowest of levels. Again, like I mentioned, a lot of spells are really terrible based on their application. So one of the ones that I, I had, an article I recently came across was 10 spells that make you a bad person. <laughs> um, and the, Oh, do number, tell. Number nine. Is it when you spell there wrong? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so you're a bad person. Just grammar. You forgot the but apostrophe R E on your. That's the spell. Just grammar. Um, no, number nine is heat metal, and in parentheses, shake and bake, because technically, <laughs> unless something happens and you choose to do it on someone with plate mail, they can't get out fast enough, and they just cook and die inside of their armor, in, in like the worst way possible. I'm just like, well, I hope. I don't use that, and I certainly hope my players don't use it ever, because that's that's just awful. I love that. I I saw another one. I don't know if it. I, I don't know if this one's on that list too. I saw an example somebody used where they created water 
inside of somebody. Basically, overhydrated their mm. cells. And that comes to on uh, Reddit all the time. Can I drown someone with great yeah, water? Exactly. No. So the yeah the the list go the list goes on and on. Especially with the ones that I would just caution the like, even a bad wizard not using just because it puts your whole table in a weird weird spot of basically um, Gesh or Glib. Gaius, yeah, whatever yeah. version you want to say, yeah. or glibness, where you're just like making them do things that they wouldn't want to do with zero agency on that process. Um, see, like a, a mild version of that, where I feel like the player still has the chance to get out of it, is um, teleportation circle, where the example used to harken back to your water idea was they have the person stand on the circle and then they turn it on, but it's just to like the plane of water. And then they just drown and die. Yeah, the one they have in there, Neil, I looked it up. It says the el- sending them to the elemental plane of fire where they basically combust immediately. <laughs> yes. It's, yeah, I mean, wizards, you can, I think one of the things that makes wizards so great as bad guys, but then also, it doesn't matter what system, really. People love playing them because, and I think, Michael, you said this too before, where you have so much utility and you can do almost anything you want like with the mechanics, as long as you're creative enough with it. Yeah, my my go to for why I play wizards is I like overly complicated solutions to simple problems. Yes. And again, the problem yeah. is there's an orc in front of me, but rather than stabbing it, I'm going to teleport them to the plane of fire. I'm going to I'm going to teleport like a to the water plane on top of them because that's just it's a more complicated answer, but it's more fun to. And I'm going to polymorph them right before that. Oh yeah, yeah. You, I mean, but not into a fish. No, all evil wizards. Also, like you think about that—that that whole idea of like overcomplication. Magic is complicated, and all good evil wizards have really complicated plans. All right, this kind of goes. This harkens back to my previous response about like Willy Wonka. Like his whole idea is where he instead of just you know interviewing people and finding the best candidate to take over the chocolate factory, he's like, I'm gonna you know, change my manufacturing process and insert some several golden tickets. I'm going to bring all these kids in here and I'm going to do like a pre-Hunger Games kind of thing where they're just going to go to town and whoever is left is my successor. Or even like Emperor Palpatine, who's like sci-fi wizard, you know? He's like, oh, yeah, you know what? I'm going to be duly elected as a senator from Naboo and eventually... You know, I'm going to... Spoilers, dude. Spoilers. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And then eventually I'm going to become the Senate. And it's just, I don't know. It's hard to do at the table, like to make those complicated plans, like make sense to the players. But a good, good, bad wizard, it's got to have a complicated plan. And even then, when you think you've killed me, I will be reincarnated again on a strange planet that nobody understands why. It was just a simulacrum. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the, the other one. Long-term plans. I mean, also... Can we talk about the fact that clearly Willy Wonka was the original and more aptly named Hunger Games? Because like three <laughs> of the kids got out because they were too hungry. Yeah, I hey, it's true. It's <laughs> it's kind of on the nose, but yeah, it works. Can we talk about how the P, uh, the how Grandpa Joe was a POS. Oh like yeah, he he was laying in bed for forty years. He wasn't working. He wasn't contributing to the family. And then he's like, "Oh wait, a chocolate factory? Actually, I can walk. Thanks." millions of dollars i can move i'm magically better that's the solution to every problem golden <laughs> tickets yep golden ticket the other one i i think of is like having that long-term setup like the 
like having that twist at the end to there's a, obviously Willy Wonka is, a, is somewhat dark in moments, but there is a much darker version that you could have played out at your table to find out that, no, this is the big bad, that all of this is is not going. All of it is smoke mirrors and magic. And at the end of this all, what evil plot was afoot? Um, so I really like that. Now I'm going to have to add, add a terrifying Willy Wonka, a.k.a. just the Johnny Depp. I yeah, think, I think too, like playing evil wizards as a DM, like I think it gives you some leeway to be able to adapt a story quickly to make sense too. like players do things all the time to just like, you know, you're trying to tell a collaborative story and you have your this idea of, in your head of, you know, where it's going to start and go from point A to point B at the end. And then something happens. And it's like, well, now I'm not going to point B. I'm going to like point A prime instead before I get to point B and when that happens, like wizards are, I mean, you can use wizards in any way, shape, way, shape or form to help bring cohesiveness to the story and make things happen so that, you know, the story still continues in some way, shape or form. I think that's especially using a big, bad, evil wizard. Like you can pivot super quickly with that sort of stuff because you have magic at your fingertips. They're also they're a convenient excuse for whatever you want the plot to be. Because, you know, like Tom was saying, like, they have these very complicated, elaborate plans that may take, you know, generations to, to completely fulfill. So if you just want to do like a weird, silly one-off adventure, you can just tie that into your big, like, they did that for this reason because they needed in two years this thing to happen. So whatever you want them to be doing, you can circular logic retrofit and go, oh, that was part of the wizard's complicated plans that you won't understand until you get to higher level because I haven't made that up yet. And sometimes the players will make it up for you. Yes. And they absolutely. sound brilliant. Like when they sit around the table and go, well, clearly what's happening is this. And you're like, oh, really? Yeah. Jot yeah, you're right. Down? Yeah. <laughs> also, Magic Jar. Magic Jar is the reason that the Willy Wonka is trying to find someone and then replace their soul with the Willy Wonka soul. And then they're going to take over that child and live Whoa. the rest of their days. Whoa, hold on. All right, hold on here. I'm not. What is Magic Jar? So magic jar is basically like you have, so like if you have a jar that has no soul in it and you cast magic jar on someone, their soul will go into the magic jar. If there was a soul in the jar, it will then go into the person. Okay. That's like something that no good player should ever have. Oh, no, that's on the list of if you use these spells, you're a bad person. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (sighs) It's like, it's like freaky Friday and 13 going on 30 or whatever all over again. Like, that's what was happening there. Yeah, I see, like, there's the whole section of, like, the Monster Manual and the Player's Handbook. They kind of do the same thing, where really some of these monsters maybe aren't even really monsters and really shouldn't be used in that way. In the same token, uh, there are all these spells that really should just be used by your players. Um, Those are bad spells. I mean, that's kind of a different topic, but I do actually think that there should be some spells that are just these are the spells the bad guys use and the players yep. don't have access yeah. to them. But at some point they got codified from a book that they were, you know, inspired from or something. But yeah, I think there are spells that just don't really make sense for a hero to use, but no, I guess you play your game however you want. I like to play heroes, but I also like to play wizards who kill people. So I don't know. I'm conflicted. I guess I'm more. Yeah. Like he also, you like to use D12. So what do we know? I love the <laughs> D12. It is absolutely you're the just, best. You're, polyhedral. you're just like a regular old D and D player. Cause all D and D players, they make these characters and they're like, yeah, we're going on an adventure. But then they have no bones. Like they, they will like absolutely just like totally just kill like NPCs. Like they just will. It's like, if they're like the 
a minutia of evilness in a guard. Like, oh, you know what? Dude's dead now. That's because you don't understand my grand wizard plan. In like 20 years, (laughs) it'll make sense to you. Gotcha. I I think one key thing, and I was thinking about this, what you were talking about, like the magic jar, because it's like, to me, that's an object. I think all an evil wizard, they need a power source, something other than themselves that the players can take away in order to remove their power. So it gives you some more options. I think like, uh, like Sauron, he's got, you know, the, the one ring, Voldemort's like, what are you, the Horcruxes? The Horcruxes. Yeah. Those Mm. things, Willy Wonka's factory, like these things that like, (laughs) if you take them from the wizard, their power is diminished or gone completely. Well, it works in, in a really good way to, to be the thing that you can do, because I think that that's what you set up this larger than life character that you're up against. I mean, so Thanos, who's who I've now established as a wizard. Uh, once you take the Infinity Gauntlet away and in the comics, like that's what ends up happening. He feels so powerful that he feels like he's going to transcend basically to godhood, but forgets that at the end of it all, the only thing that allowed any of this is the gauntlet and isn't paying attention and someone takes it. It's Nebula who then puts it on snaps back 24 hours the comics is way more complicated even than the what? films you mean it wasn't iron man come on no you got he had a yeah we, we didn't have a helicopter it's like it's very <laughs> very different it's no time travel no nothing yes but i think there's also a couple other avenues um i don't know if anybody's familiar familiar with dark sun i don't know it very well but i do know there's an aspect that all magic in dark sun like despoils the land so casting a spell at all not only does it do the magic, but it also like sucks life energy from the world around you, and which is why the Dark Sun planet is mostly a desert and it continues to get more so. So with just you know certain settings or just some shifts in the lore, you could just make magic inherently evil and act to do it at all, and then see how people interact with it. Yeah, I think I think to go back to Tom talking about the wizards having some sort of object they get their power from. You know, the thing that I think I love about you know the story of uh, Harry Potter and the Horcruxes or, you know, whoever has these powerful objects is like at some point in their life, something happened that made them either receive that or cause them to be evil. And if it's hidden away somewhere, you have to like backtrack through their life and learn the story of the evil wizard, you know, and there's a lot of ways that you can like humanize those characters you know i think the best bad guys are ones you can relate to and still say that's still not right it doesn't make it okay that you're doing these things but like you're wrong but i can see how you got them. right yeah and like even in D, like you can do that so well um with being able to tell those stories that i think yeah a powerful object that they received at some point trying to figure out who they received it from and you have to track that person down and then you learn more about this like there's just so many of those elements of an evil wizard that like again a barbarian with an axe, you're gonna be like, okay, he got that axe from a smith somewhere or something, you know? Not as cool. I think we don't humanize. It's a good point that we really don't humanize wizards, even in like pop culture. You think like the I think Star Wars is that easy example being like space magic with the Emperor Palpatine is not relatable at all. He's just the bad guy that you hate, but you think about Darth Vader, who really isn't. He he's completely different. He's not a wizard. Like he is somebody that, okay, there's some humanity to him and i can i can see his i i can't even like even volt like maybe voldemort but like sauron like there's just these it's just evil the embodiment of evil and i think that's a it's interesting because i never really thought about the idea of like i'm trying to think of like super powerful 
people in pop culture, and almost all of them are just not relatable. They're just evil. Well, I've only ever seen The Phantom Menace, so I don't really know this whole like Darth Vader thing you're talking Ooh. about. Oh, really? It's really good. I'm not. I'm not mad. I'd it's, be super interested to talk to someone that has that actual life experience. <laughs> Star Wars. Star Wars is like the D12 for you, Michael. It's just. It's so good. Oh, okay. All right. I'll, I'll look into that then. <laughs> for sure. Whoa, that's a monumental task these days. Oh god. So the other question I was going to ask is: Are there? Because we, now we're talking about pop culture. Are there times that we've used wizards in our games, like as kind of the big bad, and like how has that gone? Is the next question I want to throw out there. Michael, you do you use wizards a lot? I use wizards a lot as the, the bad guys. Um, you know, a necromancer kidnapping children from a small village and take them into the swamp is a great first level adventure. Um, you know, a 20th level div- divination wizard who can see the future and, you know, that, that's higher level. I've, I've used so many, somebody that I've stolen from popular media, but yeah, I just... Again, wizard did it is a is almost like a D and D trope for a reason. If something you can't explain, it was a wizard behind it. So whatever you're trying to put together at some point when the players are like, okay, none of this makes sense. How did we get from here to here? You're like, oh well, wizard did it, makes sense, and you move on. So for me, my, I have a big problem with my games as I fall into a very a single trope in like ninety percent of my games. And anybody who's played a long term campaign will tell you that every almost every big bad at the end of my campaign is a vampire. So it's just like, that's just <laughs> what they are. So I don't, I mean, yeah, you could like Strahd and 5e uses a wizard spells and everything, but I wouldn't call him a wizard. But I do use a lot of wizards for like mini bosses. Usually if there's any sort of mission or adventure, there's also, I always have a wizard who is kind of in control of whether it be, you know, goblins or these orcs. There's always a wizard that they have to fight because wizards just kind of open up combat for you in D&D so much. So even though I usually don't have these big grand plans for like wizards or these magical schemes, I throw them in purely for the utility of having them there and making the game more interesting so that's what i use them for yeah i'm i'm currently using one um for the big bad in the campaign that we're at and it's super fun like every time he shows up he either has a different creature that he's called to him from the other plane or he has a different item or he's changed form or like something like that and it's just it keeps the players on their toes of wondering like oh crap next time i see this person what's gonna have happened to them you know, like it's been a couple months since we've seen this person last. Are they going to be more powerful? Or are they going to be the same powerful? Or are they going to have a different creature that they've called from some plane of existence? Are they going to have a different item that they've found? Or, you know, there's just so many possibilities that I think has been really fun. Um, are they going to have taken over another town? Are we going to hear some more news of them doing things off in the distance? It's super fun just to keep players on their on their toes with how are they going to have changed this next time? Cause there's so many possibilities for the way wizards can change so quickly. I also like the idea that they could have not realizing it's the same person for a long time. Like they're fighting the wizard in different forms. And then it's not until much later that you realize that this was the same person every time they just were shifting the shape or using illusion magic or something or magic item. And then 
only way later they realized every time it was the same uh, same opponent. Yeah, I think um, if you're going to use a wizard, I you kind of kind of we've talked about a lot of things, but I think the things that you ha- you got to ask yourself, like I would say, like a couple questions is your wizard that you're going to use in your game, like what do they want? All right, is this and make it something that's not like ultimate power or ultimate destruction. And then I would say, like, where does their power come from? So Strahd, you know, is it his is it his coffin or you know, Vecna or like what is their like what is their thing that their thing that keeps them powerful? Or then I would even say, Chris, kind of what you were saying, how you kind of move your wizard around. Is your wizard are they in a stationary location that your players have to eventually get to? Or is this a wizard that is bouncing back and forth in your campaign. And I would argue that you always want your wizard bouncing back and forth because you want your players to run into your bad guy so that they hate them. Or realize they got somewhere and they've already been there if they're trying to get the same stuff. And yeah, it's because there's, yeah, I I, I agree with you. I, I think there's something really fun about not purposely frustrating players, but like if there's this moment where it's like, oh, there's this wizard that's off in a tower somewhere and we know we have to get to 14th level before we can actually storm the castle and beat them. It's like, well, now we just know we need to get to 14th level and then go through the maze of things and traps and all this, that, and the other thing. But like, if you're kind of running into them in a cavern somewhere and you weren't expecting them because you were going after an item and then you're like, oh crap, wish we wouldn't have expended all those spells earlier in the day. Now we have to face this person, you know? Like those sorts of moments are way more, because you you build so much more of like a hatred and disdain for that for that person rather than like, hey, they cast a spell and, you know, from a thousand miles away and sent us a, a, a mean, hateful message in our heads, you know? <laughs> the scrying pool, you know? Oh, it's yeah. like, yeah. Ooh, they're spying on me again. Yeah, the other one I think of that that I've used before is having basically lower level wizards that are tied to the big bad that I want to use. So, like you know, apprentice level, and then gauging the gauging the engagement from the players, whether whether or not they need more motivation. Um, so you're you know the big bad is using those people, and the players are realizing that, so they're you know more prone to not like that character the other thing with doing that is when when it feels like you need to turn that off you can just turn that off at that level um whatever whatever point at which you feel like that story is no longer engaging or you want to do something different you can just decide that that's the level that your big bad is at and then have that have that moment and that payoff rather than setting it too far ahead of like let's say they are that 20th level divination wizard would i ever get there not with my party probably right yeah they like to do a lot of random things so the other thing I, that I will ask is, and we, we've already alluded to several very interesting choices for this question, but for homework, um, which I feel like is inspired by the RPG Academy of us adding this section, but it's the best section we can possibly add. Um, are there pieces of media that we think listeners should go read, watch, play, experience um, that are good examples of Bad Wizards? Tom? Yes. All right. So the... When he's talking about RPGs specifically, there's been one thing that has really kind of helped me like envision what a bad guy really is, is a game that I is I is Forbidden Lands. I am so on this game so much. I talk about it all the time. And the reason is in the first campaign that they have is they have this wizard. 
It, everything is centered around him. You don't really run into him in the campaign. He's just kind of there, and he's making the world a terrible place. And I think it's an interesting use of a wizard. They're so powerful that the player just doesn't see them ever. But they've affected the world so much and they've made everything so terrible that the players just they wind up hating them because they live in a world that sucks. And it's because this guy decided that he was going to use all this magic and opened up demon gates everywhere. And now there's demons running around and everybody's dying because of the demons. And so Forbidden Lands is a setting that uses magic and evil magic in such an interesting way where magic is dangerous and is something that should be treaded on very carefully. Because even as a player, you use magic, there's a random chance every time you use this magic that a portal will be opened up and you will be dragged into this game's version of hell and your player is, your character is dead, like instantly dead. And so this system just kind of does some really interesting things and makes magic feel evil. Player characters use it, but all of my players have always just kind of, they feel a little bad whenever they use it. And so I think that is just Forbidden Lands. If you want a new system just to read and see how they use magic, it's just like, ah, it's beautiful. I love that so much. Uh, I have a couple I'm allowed. Um, Obviously, Gargamel. Uh, so watch the Smurfs. Sauron, uh, the new Rings of Power show, Amazon Prime, Lord of the Rings uh, show is going to be coming out. And a large part of that is going to be seeing Saruman as like a youth, you know, before they became this ultimate power. So we're going to see that growth from that character, which will be interesting. So probably we're going to get a new Dragonlance setting for D&D specifically, some some version or another. So Rasslin is one of the more famous D&D centric, morally great, but also pretty much evil wizards that you could read about. Um, and then Randall Flagg, if you're a Steve, Stephen King fan, um, I would suggest Eyes of the Dragon. It's a pretty short read, uh, and we get a lot of Flagg-centric um, stuff in that book. Uh, I'll throw one more out there, because, Chris, you mentioned Ursula early on. I've got two young daughters, and we watch a lot of princess movies. Go watch princess movies. All right. Mm -hmm. Cause every Mm -hmm. bad guy is an evil wizard. Like they just are. And their motivations for like evilness, they got, they usually have so many cool motivations that we wouldn't really think about. Like Ursula, her, she's vain. Like that's kind of, or like I think of my, ah, Maleficent is one of my Mm. favorite evil characters all time. All right. First off, she's just super cool, but then she's so freaking petty. She doesn't get invited to like the christening of a baby. So she's like, yeah, guess what? Now you are cursed because I didn't get invited to the party. So <laughs> the D, like go watch old princess movies. They have some of the greatest villains with the most, what you really think about what their motivations are. And it's the most mundane, stupid things ever. But those kind of things will just kind of elevate your game and make your bad guy feel super interesting. Well, yeah, and it, it almost makes you think like at one point there was a significant thing that she didn't get invited to. And maybe now whenever she just doesn't get invited, even the yeah. prettiest of things, it just goes that way because she's it's just a trigger for her at this point, you know. Yes. But it originally started with a really like big uh, being left out from something. Something. Even Jafar. Well, you took one of. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> from Aladdin. Yeah, Jafar. Yeah, yeah. for sure. It's- 
he's just for sure. Yeah, there's all these cool that wizards is, from Disney movies. That is the ultimate D and D party in Aladdin. The fact that they trick the wizard somehow into <laughs> like like taming himself in some way. Like, come on, it doesn't even get more D and D party than that. And Aladdin, yeah. like this this guy, this I mean, Riff Raff, who you know, like just doesn't get any better than that. You have well, a I mean, princess, you have a street urchin, a parrot, yeah. <laughs> a genie, and a flying a t- carpet. And a those tiger. are your four characters. And a tiger. Yeah. And a tiger. So yeah, those <laughs> are your characters. That sounds like a D&D party to me. Yeah. Pretty you much. Had, yeah. You had a Tabaxi, yep. you had Naracocra, and then the the Hosey, the monkey people are being added to to the game soon. It, it's it's totally possible. Right. Do itself. you think Gilbert Godfrey could have played anything other than an Aokakra in D&D? Like, Yes, because that's not his actual voice, and he hates that no. that got leaked. So, <laughs> well, he used it all the time as if it was his actual voice, though. Okay, so I'll round us out with super random choices. One, Star Trek: The Next Generation. Q is the answer um, to an evil wizard. Two, um, from Naruto, uh, I chose Madara Uchiha, who's basically just lived forever. He's a lich, and is just trying to take over the whole world. He's just an evil wizard. So, um, hold on, Rook. I'm gonna stop you real quick. You mentioned Naruto. Yes. All right. So I think it was funny. Michael was streaming not too long ago, and Naruto got brought up, and it was just like, and Michael, you don't really, you don't know Naruto. I, I know the run thing. Like you yeah, put yeah. your arms behind oh, you and you run man. chest forward. That's all. Neil, I know. Let me just say this. It is and so you storm weird. area fifty one that way. Well, he's a ninja who wears like a vest and a headband, not like a ninja gi. Some it tracks it, tracks it, but I will say this Trek, tracks it, it is so refreshing coming on a podcast where they've mentioned they, they make Naruto references. <laughs> like, I don't get this, like, I just don't in my current relationship with podcasts. Okay. And this and, is you don't think my you don't think my Smurf references are timely? No, okay, so just so <laughs> just so nope, I'm gonna do it, I'm gonna look it up on Google and we'll see, we'll see the reference timeliness. So, the first issue of <laughs> Naruto came out in September of 1999. So the Smurfs. That's over 20 years ago. Come on, that's timeless. Timeless. That's considered that's considered timeless. classic rock now. The original Smurfs episode was in 1961. So <laughs> I see where the gap happened, right? 30, 29 years before I was born. Yeah. All right. It's great. I don't know where uh, to go from here, but I have the most important question is where can people go to find all of the awesome stuff that you are doing, be it Smurfs or Naruto references? I, um, yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at BezcarTom. That's Mandalorian Metal Tom. Our show and tell series is ramping back up on our podcast. So if you want to find out about new games, even like some different RPG tools, different things like that. You can subscribe to the RPG Academy to catch those episodes that I do. Excellent. You can find me at the RPG Academy on Twitter. It's where I'm most active. Our show has been around for like 10 years now, maybe 11. We have like around a thousand episodes. So it can be a little bit overwhelming. So if you go to our website, which is the RPG there's a big red, like click button that says new start here. And it pretty much breakdowns all the different types of shows that we do and a couple highlighted examples of like a good example of a faculty meeting. This is what you're going to get. This is a good example of a show and tell. So if you are interested in hearing anything we do, that would be the place I would suggest that you go. And then the Catacon, Catacon.com. If you go to the RPG Academy, you'll get everything. But that's our convention. 
I think that's probably the most important things. Yeah. So RPG Academy on Twitter, RPGacademy.com, and then Acaticon.com. Well, both of you, thank you for coming on, spending some time, making some amazing references because Willy Wonka and Thanos are evil wizards by the end of this episode. Yeah. And I could and I couldn't be happier. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for having us. I really appreciate it. Again, both of you are very important to the Academy and to us personally. And again, you know, you've supported a Catacon. You've come to a Catacon in the past. Neil, you've been on my other show about Smallville multiple times. So I uh, <laughs> feel the love here. Thank you so much. We were happy to repay the favor anytime you would want or need. We just want to thank Michael and Tom again for coming on, spending some time with us. And of course, if you want any more information about a Catacon, not a CadeCon, like we've said many times before, but a Catacon, you can definitely go online and check that out and within a couple days or already you should be able to find the kickstarter easily enough um and hopefully everyone that goes will have a wonderful time yeah it's the one with the cool vulture logo apparently i'm excited to see that that'll be fun if you would like to get in contact with us and share some of your stories about how you've used evil wizards you can get in touch with us on our twitter that's at dms block at dms underscore block you can find us there or you can email us at dungeonmasterblock at gmail.com and, of course, as always, the Dungeon Masters Blog is a proud member of the Block Party Podcast Network, where you can check out other shows like Detentions and Dragons, Dungeons and Dragons and Daughters, and more. And, as always, thanks for listening to the Dungeon Masters Blog, the place where we come to talk about the Dungeon Master, the most important person in the game. Have a great night, everyone. And keep on Dungeon Master. not inspiration it's not wisdom and it's bad advice yeah you should dress up as willy wonka for your next session i'm an evil wizard <laughs>